Welcome back, everyone. This is Cracking the Restaurant Labor Crunch with me today, Chef Joshua Carther, and he's with Water Edge, Water's Edge at the Hyatt Lodge in beautiful Chicagoland. Welcome to the show, Chef Joshua. Thank you very much. Glad to be here again, Roger. Really appreciate the invite. Now, you were on our podcast a couple of weeks back, and we got into the depths of running a multiple location operation, food and beverage, and the challenges of labor a little bit there. But specifically, you know, you have expertise as a chef. You seem like you've, you've been really great in motivating your people, keeping your good people happy, finding new people, all that sort of thing. But it really begins with, you know, restaurants struggling, having enough staff to cook the food and having to shut down certain days and hours and cut back simply because we don't have the people to serve the customer and to obviously, you know, not only meet their expectations, but give them really great experiences. So what I would like to hear is any advice or opportunities that you see to sort of simplify a menu, you know, because now we can't have extensive long menus because of the prep time, because of the people it requires, the time it requires to prep. Like what advice can you give restaurants in order to simplify their menus and to, you know, handle that situation? Well, yeah. And I mean, when we started off, we had a very limited menu, like I'm sure everybody else is doing. Um, and then just from guest feedback, you know, people want more. But, you know, at the end of the day, we all, we can't be something for everybody. So what we do is we look at opportunities that we can and we have done to uh, add a few additional items to the menu and we see how it goes. We definitely don't want to overload the staff. Uh, so we just introduce maybe a few items and we get them used to that. And then maybe we'll add a few more items. Um, but definitely one thing that's been key is whatever we do add on menu items is that the ingredients can be cross-utilized. The you. benefit that we have being in a hotel was is that we can also cross-utilize ingredients that we also use in our banquet kitchen. Um, uh, but regardless, you know, if it's the banquet kitchen or just the line itself, uh, all of our ingredients don't just go into one component. We cross utilize everything. So that way it makes sense. I'm really glad you brought that up because a long time ago, 20 plus years ago, I started my first restaurant and I literally had no restaurant experience. And one of the simplest but most important lessons I learned was don't bring in an item if it's just going to go on one menu item, you know, don't bring an ingredient in unless it can be used in multiple places. And, you know, there's still restaurants that I see or that I work with that haven't learned that lesson. And they wonder why they've got a waste and a theft and a spoilage program, you know, problem and why their profits aren't where they should be. Because again, everything that they're bringing in isn't maximizing profit on what they're selling. And, you know, so that makes perfect sense. Thanks so much for bringing that up. Now let's talk about simplifying an existing menu, not necessarily making changes, but taking a good hard look at the menu as it exists today. What would you say that the the steps would be to decide, okay, is it is it a product mix report to see what's super popular and what's selling? But then you also have to balance that out with what it takes to actually prepare it and the labor required. And is it really as profitable as it looks? Do we raise prices on that? Do we drop it entirely? You know, we have cash cows, we have dogs, we have all these different things on menus when we first put a menu together. But what I'm trying to get is how do we make that menu the most efficient it can be to, to you know, to go through this labor challenge and also to make sure what we're selling is profitable. Uh, well, yeah. So like you mentioned, you know, with a uh, sales report uh, or as we call them abstracts, we, what we do is we just get those reports to see what sells good. Mm -hmm. um, but then it's, this is where uh, I really value a strong relationship with our front of the house team because 
uh, we got to make sure that we have um, respect and trust built really strong. So that way the, the, the wait staff, the, the front of the house manager feels very confident to not just give us the report, but also to have conversations around it to say, you know, these are what the numbers say, but this is also what guests are saying on the front of the house side um, as we're serving them. The, uh, the guests are saying that they would like to see this done differently or um, they, they felt that this uh, chicken entree that we have is very good, but um, they felt the pricing might have been high. Um, yes. So we just try to, we, we want to make sure that that relationship is there so they feel comfortable addressing those things. And it's really important to address it with myself and my team because we create the atmosphere uh, or we foster the atmosphere that that way they can come to us without um, feeling that we're going to lash out in return, um, that the, that way we're open to that constructive feedback. Um, so that's definitely uh, uh, the key component. And then, yeah, like you mentioned that from, from that initial report and feedback, we look at, okay, if there's a certain menu item that maybe is a dog, uh, do we just cast it off together or do we tweak it? Because maybe it is a Thank really you. good cost uh, breakdown where yep. um, it could be very good for us. So we, we look at tweaking a few things there. Uh, maybe maybe the sauce is something that needs to be changed or uh, maybe it's just the way that, that type of, let's say it's a steak. Is it the steak, the, the quality of the meat that's there that people just aren't really liking? Um, so you know, if, if it's something that is very cost effective for us, but people don't really like it, then there's no point in having it. So we just look at all those different things there to to make the adjustments. And then, you know, I had a conversation recently with some other chefs. And, you know, one thing that they've also looked at is buying things that are uh, are pre-cut. And a lot of the some of the chefs mentioned that they would never in their years look at buying free pre-cut stuff. But those are the things that we have to balance out. And, you know, if right. we can buy a few pre-cut items and maybe we can make our sauces in-house and balance the quality there or even just the cost. Those are things that we're always looking at. You know, that's that's another good point you're making. Let's talk about steak, for example, or other pre-cut items. We know that if we're buying something pre-cut, the ounces and the cut is absolutely consistent. And if you've got two different people, say, cutting meat in your place or even one person, they might have an off day. You never know. It's like there's some waste involved or you're putting out more product than the actual weight should be should be, you know, unless you're spot checking every single item that gets cut. So there might be a benefit to buying pre-cut items in certain cases, right? Correct. A hundred percent. We actually came across that just this past uh, few weeks where yeah. we we're looking at, you know, uh, with the, with the labor challenges, of course, uh, we have staff guys that would uh, slice the strip steaks for uh, a sandwich. And we found out that there is definitely some consistency challenges because one one shift might be busier than another, or right. maybe somebody just forgot to look at their prep list and they just tried to slice something super fast and it wasn't the consistency that we're looking for. So, you know, in, in order to make sure at the end of the day that our guests see the consistency and value that we looked at and we're like, you know, maybe we should go ahead and go with the pre-cut um, and just obviously making sure the... Uh, what we're ordering on our end is going to be consistent, like we talked about, but also um, maybe the center cut of the strip loin isn't the right way to go because of the cost, but we can do some different options there as well. And we even looked at um, possibly uh, getting in some some pre-cut uh, frozen as well, and those things are vacuum sealed and frozen um, to help with the cost as well. Um, but at the end of the day, it all comes out really good quality that we've tested out. 
Now, you probably, I shouldn't assume, but of course you've got relationships with your suppliers. And one of the other key points you're bringing up is we can tweak ingredients to make things more profitable. Like you got to communicate with your account manager, which whichever supplier you're using and say, hey, is there a comparable quality product that maybe your company buys in greater volume and the price is a little bit better? It's like you shouldn't just take for granted that just because I've always used this particular product, I'm always going to use it, provided the taste you know, the flavor profile stays the same. The customer won't know the difference, but maybe you're getting something a little cheaper simply because of economies of scale and buying. And it makes sense to constantly be looking at ingredients and keeping in communication with your suppliers about that. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. It's a, uh, it's basically almost a weekly conversation that I have with both my uh, seafood suppliers uh, and uh, the meat companies that we order from. And it's just conversation with me and them just saying, okay, you know, what's our pricing out this week and, uh, what can we do to, you know, maximize what we're doing on our end and obviously help them out as well um, with uh, with their labor challenges that they're going with. But it's a weekly conversation, just uh, staying on top with each other. All right. We talked a little bit about um, pre-cut product. Let's talk about the importance of portion controls in a kitchen when you've got multiple people preparing the same food and maybe you got a football player with a gigantic hand and then you got this petite little cheerleader girl that's got a small hand and they're making pizzas and they're putting cheese and pepperoni on it. I mean, do you have a system of recipe cards and photographs and training so that, you know, and the check and balance to make sure that the portion controls are literally standardized across the operation? I mean, that makes sense too, doesn't it? Yes, to all the above, pretty much. Uh, so yeah, first and foremost, we have recipe cards that break everything down. And then also what it does is it gives our, our line staff um, the ability to know how much each disc costs. And if they were to go heavy, how that affects all of our um, our profit. Uh, but then in addition to that, what we do is we created a, a recipe, or not recipe, plating guides. So oh, what I do yep. with uh, the chef team is we'll take photos, some really nice photos. We'll take close-ups of everything. We'll blow them up. And right above our cook line, we have cork boards that have uh, the blown up pictures of every dish. And then underneath that, we have uh, just a quick, um, uh, detailed thing items that's on the actual plate with the portion of it. So let's say, you know, you know, in, ter in terms of being a short order cook, you know, we're looking at trying to get thing out as fast as possible. You don't have time to flip through a recipe book to make sure you're having the right portion, right. but it's right. super fast for you to just glance up at these boards that we have uh, at the top of the line and see the blown up pictures, the big wording for what actually goes on each plate and how much portion is on there. So that's, that helps out tremendously to make sure the consistency is there. And, uh, you know, for anybody that's not well-trained on the line, anybody can jump online and offer support um, and just take a glance at those photos. That's been that makes perfect sense. Support. You know, that's, that's a great tip of advice for, you know, the smaller independent operator, like you're, you're running a large operation with multiple outlets, like we talked about, and it is absolutely essential with, with that kind of volume that you're doing, but it's so essential in a small operation too, to make sure that these simple systems are in place that make your operation more efficient and, you know, more productive and all that sort of thing. And it takes a little bit of homework up front, but it pays dividends once those systems are in place. So thanks for mentioning that. Let's talk about your experiences um, with the labor shortage. When did it begin? Have you seen 
you know, some bright spots on the horizon. You've recruited some people. You've asked your good people to find you people. Like, what have you done? What have you seen that's been working for you? And you're a leader by example anyway. So I was really impressed with that in, in our podcast episode, what your approach was to building teamwork and respect in your kitchens. Well, labor for us had, had uh, been a challenge. We're in the suburbs of Chicago and, you know, your, your biggest labor pool is all, always going to go down to the city. So we had always had somewhat of a challenge, uh, definitely not to where it is now. So like, let's say pre-COVID, uh, one thing we had, we had uh, adopted was uh, people coming in from other countries on J-1 training visas. They would come in and they would learn the training for a full year, uh, the ins and outs of the kitchen and teach them purchasing. And it was a really good program um, that we had done prior to COVID that helped out with the labor. So when we actually get to that point again where, you know, um, life can go on with everybody without the fear of all the virus stuff. Um, I would highly recommend that for any operation to look into J1 visa programs. It was tremendous because you would get people that actually care about what they're doing. Um, and then now, you know, now that we're coming in after COVID uh, and trying to survive, it's just, you know, it's definitely a challenge, but it's anybody that we have come into the operation. We just tell them, you know, we we're very upfront for the, the workload that we're all dealing with. Um, so that way they're not blindsided and they don't get overwhelmed from day one. Um, and, uh, you know, we just, again, we just work alongside everybody to make sure that they feel supported and whatever they bring to the, to the table is valued. And, you know, even this past weekend, we were getting into an opportunity, uh, cause we use a lot of staffing, um, agencies to help with a lot of our dish room. And we had a lot of our, uh, um, our temps, temp agency uh, guys just didn't come in or they, or they let something came up and they had to leave early and the remainder of our dish crew, you could see the fatigue in their eyes and they're like, we're, we lost four people on a busy weekend. So I looked at around at my culinary team and I'm like, Hey guys, I think we should jump in and work with them. I'm going to start, I'm going to jump in at this point. And, you know, as you guys are finishing up the evening, anything that you guys can do is going to be appreciated. And, uh, every one of my, my culinarians, as well as a brand new cook that we had joined the team. Um, I want to say it's his third day. He, he looked at one of the other cooks. He goes, is chef for real? We jump in the dish room. And another cook looked and said, just look at chef, man. Um, he's jumping in there, whatever he's doing. We just pretty much offer some support too. And it actually goes by really fast. And we all had a good time. We were breaking things down. We offered the dish crew some support and uh, we actually got done with the workload that we had. And I would say about an hour and a half, maybe two hours tops. And um, if we didn't do that, it would have taken our dish guys uh, well into two, three, four in the morning just to try to do that. Um, but we were actually able to get them out at 1230. Um, we didn't stay to 1230 ourselves, but we were all able to get at 1130. But that was huge. And I got a few text messages from the dish guys themselves later on in the evening um, or early morning. And uh, even into Sunday afternoon, they said, hey, we really appreciate that. That helped everything go by. So it's just little examples like that of us being able to just support one another. Um, and again, you know, from any leader, if if you're not scared to jump in there, people will see that and they will follow suit. Yeah. And you're going to get, uh, you know, you'll be able to call in favors down the road because they're going to remember that. And then when you need them to rise to a certain challenge, it's like they know that you 
you know, you are that type of leader. You've built that respect. You've built that teamwork. You're not too important to jump in and help out and you care. And that, that pays huge dividends. So I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up. Any last minute advice for operators that if they're still standing, they've been, they've been beaten up really badly over the past year and a half or so they're still dealing with this labor crunch, but it's like, what can you do to reignite their passion, to re-inspire them? What got them into this business in the first place and to just dig deep and keep going? What would you say to them? You know, we actually looked at something like that the other day where uh, a few of the cooks and I, what I did was, you know, we don't see a light at the end of the tunnel for this current year, right? It's just trying to survive the year. Yep. Yep. But yep. one yep. thing that came out that was really cool was uh, one of my cooks, he came to me and he said, hey, chef, can you teach me how to make a sauce? So I looked at his prep list and I'm like, yeah, let's go ahead and make a few sauces. So I just sat right there with him and just seeing the seeing the um, delight in his eyes of learning something new that he wasn't necessarily doing every day. Um, he really he really took pride in that. And then he was sharing with uh, the rest of the team over the course of the week and saying, hey, this is what I learned how to make. And not only did that give a new uh, excitement in his eyes for, you know, trying to survive this grind that we're going through, it gave him a little bit more excitement and passion, but it also just me as a leader, it kind of, his excitement was my excitement because I was able to, you know, see what that did with him. And I'm like, man, I was like, you know, it's challenging enough. But when I saw that with him, I'm like, that's why we do what we do. We make good food. We make quality food. But at the end of the day, we also work alongside people that we're teaching um, and we're teaching, we're coaching, we're trying to mentor them into having the same passion we do. And to see that excitement really gave me added excitement as a leader to continue that on and look for other opportunities that, yeah, it's long days, it's grueling days, but is there moments that I can show somebody, maybe take a minute, maybe add another half hour to my day, but spend something with them that can really create another drive in their passion, which again, like Beautiful. you mentioned, it might've taken a half hour out of, my, out of my day, but that's something that I won't have to teach him in the future. And with his own excitement, he's going to turn around and try to teach somebody he's working with saying, chef shot me, told me this. Well, that's paying it forward, Chef, and that is true leadership. So I certainly appreciate you uh, joining us and offering your expertise, your advice, best practices, and all of that. So thanks for tuning in to Cracking the Restaurant Labor Crunch. Please check out all the other videos because we're here to help you through this thing. We're all in this together. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Chef. I appreciate your being with us. Thank you very much. You stay well. You too. Thanks. <laughs>